the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tom. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed the Bob France Authority. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock as we get underway on this Monday morning, the very first morning of the month of April in the year of our Lord, 2019. No elaborate April Fool's jokes planned for you today. We've got too much business to get to. As a matter of fact, this is one of those show, uh, shows, quite frankly, where I wish I had about five or six hours because I have that much important news to discuss with you, information to present to you, analysis to offer to you, and of course, uh, phone calls to take from you. So uh, whenever you're ready, 216-901-0945, Either one of those numbers will get you here. Social media, toxic and poisonous as it is, we will try to use it to our benefit, even though Twitter is going to try to silence us as they are almost every other prominent conservative. Uh, Twitter, France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio is the uh, handle there. And on Facebook, it's the same, France Radio. Make sure you find me on those two platforms. Follow me or like the page, and uh, we can continue to correspond with one another. Yeah, Facebook and Twitter, particularly Twitter, will focus on that one, doing its level best to stop the runaway train that is the movie Unplanned. And that's where we start our program this morning. I will talk about the border and the crisis and the president's um, new method of dealing with this crisis momentarily, but I want to start with the opening weekend of the movie Unplanned, which was the um, fifth highest grossing movie in America this weekend. The fifth highest grossing movie in America, despite a host of obstacles that you cannot even imagine any other movie having to overcome. First of all, let me point this out. When you look at the number of theaters that the uh, top five movies in America were in, in fact, I could go to the top seven movies, and I could probably go all the way down through the top 11 
And you're only going to find one movie in the top 11 that was on fewer theaters, in fewer theaters, on fewer screens uh, than, than Unplanned was. And that was the movie Hotel Mumbai. That was on 924 screens. The movie Unplanned was only on 1,059 screens over the opening weekend, compared to more than four times that amount. Dumbo, which premiered over the weekend, made $45 million, was on 4,259 screens. Us made $33 million on 3,743 screens. Captain Marvel was on 3,985 screens. Five Feet Apart, which was the fourth rated or fourth uh, highest grossing movie, was on 2,845 screens. And then in fifth place on just 1,059 screens, Unplanned, the fifth highest grossing movie of the weekend. Again, to give you an idea, Wonder Park was sixth. It was on 3,304 screens, three times as many. It finished behind Unplanned. How to Train Your Dragon, admittedly in its sixth week. Uh, but How to Train Your Dragon was on 2,785 screens. Uh, it were f- uh, finished in seventh place. And on down we go. Now, what does all, the, all of this mean? The fact that Unplanned already made more than the budget that was used or that was spent in making the movie. In the opening weekend, despite obstacles that, again, no other movie has ever really faced is such a wonderful, uplifting, inspirational testament to the people of this country and their belief, either A, their belief in the value and the sanctity of life from the moment of conception, and they wanted to go to this movie to watch the unbelievable story, the transformation of Abby Johnson, from Planned Parenthood abortion-providing clinic director to unavowed, loud, and proud pro-life advocate, which she remains today. They wanted to go and watch that inspirational story to support her and to support the message. Or B, people who were willing to have an open mind. People who maybe are a little bit up in the air. on Because polls indicate there are. There are millions, millions, who just don't know how they feel about pro-life versus pro-choice or pro-abortion or planned infanticide, if you want to get to the, the, the way I feel about it. They just don't know. And they went with an open mind. I can only surmise of the $6,110,000 that the movie grossed over the opening weekend, I can only surmise, this is just a complete and utter guess, that a very, very, very tiny percentage of the people who went were uh, uh, absolutely pro-choice supporters, Planned Parenthood supporters, who went there to see what the movie was going to be all about. How can I surmise this? How can I guess that? Well, simply social media. Uh, I have asked a number of people on social media, and I've also asked people that I know to be pro, pro-choice uh, in my private life, and I've heard from some, um, who want nothing to do with this movie. They automatically call it a lie. 
they automatically dismiss it as being misinformation. They automatically proclaim it to be self-glorifying for Abby Johnson and not the truth of what happens behind closed doors at Planned Parenthood and so on and so forth. And they weren't going to give this movie a dollar uh, to challenge their own beliefs in what truly the, the, the horrors of abortion are truly all about. So... It is a testament to me, to the American people, that despite the obstacles of having a significant percentage of the population which hates the pro-life message and hates Abby Johnson and side with the butchers at Planned Parenthood, never going to come to the movie, never going to come go, go and support that movie. Another significant part of the population, the unsure part, that may come, may not, it's a coin flip. Are they willing to challenge themselves and listen to uh, the inside story or not? And then, of course, there is the significant part of this country that is pro-life, that absolutely wanted to go and see this so that if for no other reason, because they were already believers in the sanctity of life, um, no other reason than to learn the truth about what happens behind closed doors and in the procedure rooms, as they're called, um, at Planned Parenthood and in abortion clinics, so that they can then share that message with others, perhaps more uh, vividly and more with a more informed point of view than just saying, I believe life begins at conception because God says so, because I'm a Christian or because I'm a believer in my faith that says so. They wanted more information. They wanted to be able to speak to this from a scientific and an observation level. So because, and and then let's add into this, when I talk about obstacles, the Motion Picture Association of America, in case you did not hear us talking about this over the last few weeks, the the MPAA decided to slap an R rating on this movie. They declared that this movie, which does not have profanity, It does not contain gratuitous sex. It does not contain gratuitous violence. It does not contain any violence at all. None of the things that typically are required for the Motion Picture Association of America to earn an R rating. Obviously, as we know, the PG rating is more desirable because it opens the door for more young people, teenagers, to come into the movies. They didn't want teenagers watching this movie. They didn't want young teenage girls seeing the truth about what is being falsely characterized as, quote, women's health care, end quote. They didn't want young girls to be exposed to the reality of what abortion is. They didn't want them to see Abby Johnson's story of unimaginable, profound regret, having had two abortions of her own before then becoming the clinic director at an abortion factory in Texas, the Planned Parenthood Clinic in Bryan, Texas, before actually seeing an abortion performed live before her very eyes via ultrasound and realizing what she had been doing for all of those years. The story of her regret, the story of her pain, the story of her her self-loathing, and ultimately the story of her God-driven redemption. They don't want young girls to see that. So they put this R rating on it. And as I and others have pointed out over the course of the last few weeks since that R rating was slapped on the movie Unplanned, 15-year-old girls in many states can go into a Planned Parenthood clinic and have an abortion without their parents' knowledge or consent. 
but they can't go to the movies and watch a movie about an abortion without their parents' consent because of the R rating. That's another obstacle. You just cannot even measure how much that uh, stopped this this uh, tremendously successful movie in its, op- in its opening weekend, fifth highest grossing movie of the weekend, uh, from getting even more exposure. And then you talk about more obstacles. Again, Twitter, Hugh Hewitt was talking a little bit about this. I followed this story a little bit over the weekend as well because my family and I, uh, my wife and my daughter and I went to the movie on Saturday night um, to say that it was moving, to say that it was impactful, to say that it was profoundly sad uh, would be an understatement. The tears on my daughter's face, my teenage daughter's face, um, in the opening scene were enough for me to know why they didn't want other teenage girls to see this movie. My daughter went to the March for Life in January. She has always been, since she has been old enough to process what it all means, she has always been pro-life. She believes life begins at conception. And when she watched the scene, the opening scene especially, and saw the horrors of abortion, it did more to underscore and to strengthen her correct views and what abortion really is than any pamphlet or talk show or anybody else could could possibly provide. Um that that movie's power is undeniable the tears on her face at the beginning the anger that i know she and my wife and i all felt as the movie played out and we saw what planned parenthood did and does followed by the cheering in the theater the applause at the end of the movie as the planned parenthood clinic in bryan texas was closed down for the final time And as it became, the building became the home of a pro-life organization that had been combating Planned Parenthood for years. Um, Again, Twitter did its level best to try to shut down the impact. Twitter suspended the account of Unplanned, the movie, for a short period of time over the weekend. And then also unfollowed the accounts of followers. It then shut down the accounts of people who clicked that they wanted to follow unplanned the movie. Everything that the far left demonic liberals who run and own Twitter could do to stop the expansion of that movie, they did. And yet still, it finished fifth in the nation on a $6 million budget. It already paid for itself. Every penny it earns from this point forward will be profit. But know that that profit isn't going into the pockets of Abby Johnson or the star of the movie. No, those profits are going to be directed toward the effort to combat the evils of Planned Parenthood every step of the way. I saw it. My family saw it. We were incredibly moved by it. If you have thoughts that you would like to share, if you saw it, by all means, Make that part of your phone call this morning. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. We'll talk about the open borders, and we'll talk about the president's move to shut them coming up as well, right here on AM 1420. 
All right, it's 26 now, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Spent a lot of time talking about uh, Unplanned, uh, the movie uh, that uh, was the story of Abby Johnson's life, particularly her career as the clinic director at Planned Parenthood in Bryan, Texas. Uh, simply a very moving emotional experience. I told you we went opening weekend because um, we wanted to, my wife and my daughter and I. My son was not home. He was not available to go with us. But um, we went because we wanted to. And I also went because I wanted to do what I'm doing right now with you, and that is discuss the power of the movie and the power of, of, of the truth. And when you look at what is being done to suppress the truth, you'll understand how powerful the truth really is. I cannot imagine, truthfully, Honestly, sincerely, I cannot imagine a young girl. And, I, you know, we focus on young girls. The movie focused primarily on young girls because it's primarily younger girls who have unplanned pregnancies. They're inexperienced. They're perhaps ignorant of different methods of, of not becoming pregnant. They're promiscuous. They're not being sensible in their choices um and the boy too who of course impregnate them which i'll get to in a second um but it's not just obviously young girls uh you know women uh, in their 20s adult women in their 20s and 30s still can can and do make these choices uh they're a lot more confident about them because they are set in their mind you know as to what life really is but um the power to influence young girls is, is what I think is really, really extraordinarily important here, and would, which is why it was so unconscionable for the MMPAA, or the MPAA, Motion Picture Association of America, to give this thing an R rating. I cannot fathom a young girl who watches this movie from start to finish, let alone reads the book upon which it was based, the book is called Unplanned. It was written by Planned Parenthood Clinic Director Abby Johnson, turned pro-life advocate Abby Johnson, um, who would ever then find themselves in a position of an unplanned pregnancy who would think about walking into one of these clinics and, and, and going through with the horrific, horrific deeds uh, that, that take place there. I cannot imagine a young woman wanting to do that, which is why I was just texting with a friend during the break. Um, and, and I said that I think truly every young woman, every woman, period, should go and see this movie. And my friend texted uh, correctly that I think it would be beneficial for teenage boys to watch this movie also. Actually, should it be mandatory for them? I do not disagree. But at the same time, as the movie details it is the girls it is the impregnated girls that make the decision to either walk into those clinics or not they make the decision to walk into become counseled by pro-abortion salespeople and that's one thing this movie makes very very clear by the way they're quote-unquote counselors the Planned Parenthood counselors are not there to counsel. They're there to sell abortions. They're salespeople. They close like real estate agents. It's amazing that these girls are the ones who go in there and, and are sold abortions and make the decision to lay on the table and to put their feet up and to allow this ghastly uh, invasion 
to take place. They're the only ones who can get up and walk out and say, no, I'm not going to do this. Does that mean they're not pressured sometimes by more than the salespeople, including the boys who impregnate them or the men who impregnate Of course not. That is extraordinarily important, too. But at the end of the day, the laws of nature have dictated that it is the female that becomes pregnant, and, at the, and the laws of man have dictated that it is only the female that can decide to end a pregnancy, to terminate a pregnancy, to murder their unborn baby or not. Only the females. The males do not have a choice in that. They don't have a say when it's all said and done. So I cannot urge you strongly enough, if you have daughters and, and women who are listening, uh, for yourselves. And yes, take your sons. Absolutely. take. I think it should be mandatory viewing for everybody and anybody who is ever going to have a, a say or a statement on... Uh, on life and, 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 and the sanctity of life in America. And quite frankly, you know who that would be? Everybody, because we all get to vote once we turn 18. And we are voting for people who will preserve and protect life or people who will continue to, dis- to, to determine that life to be without value and to be an inconvenience to, to be disposed of. So because of that, not just those who walk in the clinics, but because everybody who casts a vote has a say in this, everyone should see this movie. All right, it's 930. We'll get news now. We'll come back and start talking immigration on AM 1420. The end. All right, 935. Now the Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420. The answer. Coming up in uh, about 10, 12, 13 minutes, Congressman Jim Jordan is going to join us to talk about what even former Obama administration officials now call a crisis, otherwise known as an emergency at our southern border. That's right. The former DHS Secretary, Homeland Security Secretary for Barack Obama, Jay Johnson, was on um, MSNBC declaring over the weekend, this is absolutely a crisis. When I was in office and Kirsten Nielsen's job at her desk, he said, I'd get to work around 6.30 in the morning and there'd be my intelligence book sitting on my desk, the PDP, or excuse me, PDB, and also the apprehension numbers from the day before, and I'd look at them every morning. It would be the first thing I'd look at. And I probably got too close to the problem. And my staff would tell me, if it was under a 1,000 apprehensions the day before, that was a relatively good number. If it was above a 1,000, said Jay Johnson, it was a relatively bad number. And I was going to have a bad, be in a bad mood the whole day. On Tuesday, there were 4,000 apprehensions. I know that a 1,000 overwhelms the system. I cannot begin to imagine what 4,000 a day looks like. So we are truly in a crisis. And that is exactly correct. And that is exactly why the President of the United States must take bold, bold action. White House Advisor Mick Mulvaney we explains. Need border security, and we're going to do the best we can with what we have. The Democrats will not give us any additional money to do this. They won't give us any additional people. And importantly, they will not change the law that is acting as this giant magnet for people from South and Central America to come into this country. Faced with those limitations, the president will do everything he can. If closing the ports of entry mean that, that's exactly what he intends to do. 
So the president has a couple of very important things on his agenda that he has threatened. And Mick Mulvaney, by the way, is director of the Office of Management and Budget, of course. And, and what the, the president has promised to do here, twofold. Number one, he is going to cut off all aid to the governments of three Central American nations, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras, because those are primarily where the uh, massive numbers by the thousands of uh, immigrants slash migrants turned into asylum seekers because of our weak laws. That's where they're coming from. He is demanding that the governments of those countries do something rather than exporting all of their poor people to the United States for us to deal with. That's number one. Number two, as you just heard Mick Mulvaney talk about, closing our southern border full stop. Meaning nobody can even come any longer to the ports of entry and try to claim asylum and try to claim refugee status because we simply cannot take in any more asylum seekers, because we cannot take in any more refugee seekers, because we cannot take in any more illegals. Even the New York Times headline from yesterday, Spring brings surge of migrants stretching border facilities far beyond capacity. Not to capacity, not to the breaking point, but far beyond the breaking point. We've never seen anything like this. The headline from USA Today. As Trump threatens to close border, migrants overwhelm Texas cities. It's staggering, said McAllen City Manager Roy Rodriguez. We've never seen anything like this before. How can all of these testimonials from Border city mayors to Trump administration officials to former Obama administration officials to Customs and Border Patrol leaders. How can all of them, all of these testimonials, be lies? How can the Democrats sit on Capitol Hill right now and tell us it's a manufactured crisis. Trump made up an emergency. He's fabricating an emergency. There is no emergency. How can that possibly be? But yet that's what they're doing. Which is why Mick Mulvaney correctly said also on ABC that this is what Democrats are doing. They are going to be responsible for the southern border being shut down. Quote, we hate to say we told you so, but we told you so. We need border security, and we're going to do the very best we can with what we have. The Democrats will not give us any additional money to do this. They won't give us any additional people, and more importantly, they will not change the law. That is acting as a giant magnet for people from South and Central America to come into this country. It is clear the Democrats are not going to help us, so it shouldn't surprise anybody that we're turning to what some folks might think is extreme. Because the way it's supposed to work is not working, we're supposed to fix this by changing the laws. Democrats won't do it, so we will cut off aid to Central American countries, and we will close our borders. Congress can fix this problem, Kellyanne Conway told Fox News Sunday. Congress can fix the problem that they failed to fix We are in a meltdown.
We are at the breaking point. Congress must act, and we need to send a message back to those countries, too. So the President of the United States has to do something. Congress won't act, so he must. And that is exactly what he is entitled to do by way of the law. The INA, the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952, declares that only the President can make this decision. When the president finds that the entry of any aliens or class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, like we are now, he may, by proclamation and for such period as he deemed necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants, or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem appropriate, which means he has the power to close the southern border on his own. Not that that won't be without its own risks, because it will. There is an economic impact that will follow. Closing the border would have an undeniable economic cost. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce warning it could greatly impact the daily $1.7 billion cross-border trade between the U.S. and Mexico. This as the president is stopping $500 million of aid to the northern triangle countries, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. This is where uh, they say most of the migrants are coming from. The president taking a shot at Mexico and Democrats for not doing enough, tweeting this. The Democrats are allowing a ridiculous asylum system and major loopholes to remain as a mainstay of our immigration system. Mexico is likewise doing nothing, a very bad combination for our country. Homeland Security is being so very nice, but not for long. And Mexico isn't doing anything. That is exactly right. If Mexico would beef up its own border and stop acting as a bridge connecting Central America to the United States, that they're just this transit, there's this massive subway I mean, they are. They're just essentially a, 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 a conduit connecting Central America to the United States, and they are willing to just allow these people to pass through. It doesn't impact them. And oh, by the way, if some of their own citizens, Mexican citizens, who are impoverished and too much of a drain or a strain on the Mexican economy, also join in the rush to the border, the Mexican government is fine with that as well. They have to be made to pay a price. The New York Times Some of the children detained under the bridge in El Paso hide their faces in the sand, shielding themselves from the blowing dust. Behind the razor wire, families sit on gravel littered with paper clips, potato chip bags, and torn mylar blankets. The place looks like a concentration camp, and we're not supposed to have that in America, said David Casillas, a disabled veteran who tried to donate baby food on Friday to hundreds of migrant families peering through the fence. Border Patrol agents turned turned them away. The makeshift encampment under the bridge where immigration officials are detaining hundreds of migrants in a military tent with little hot food, was set up last week after the main border processing center in El Paso reached up to 400% of its capacity in the largest influx of migrants into the United States in years, if not decades. 400% of its capacity. Similar scenes are unfolding at border stations across the 1,900-mile frontier. What are we supposed to do? In McAllen, Texas, the Border Patrol's processing center is supposed to hold 1,500. They're currently at 2,200, 700 more people in deplorable conditions. Is that the United States' fault? Yes, by way of Congress, which will do nothing to stop this flood and nothing to deter it from growing. They allow the asylum-seeking laws to, to remain, as Mick Mulvaney called it, the magnet that draws these people to this country. 
We'll get a timeout now at 945 so we can make room for Congressman Jim Jordan, who will talk about the president's options here coming up next on AM 1420 The End. All right, 949 out of Bob France Authority, continuing on AM 1420. The answer, I want to bring Congressman Jim Jordan right back into our conversation. Congressman, good morning. Happy April Fool's Day to you, sir. How are you? I'm doing fine, Bob. You too. Good to be with you. Yeah, I like to call it April Democrats Day, but that, you don't have to say that. Um, all right, so, <laughs> Congressman, uh, it's a crisis, and it's not just a crisis because Donald Trump says so. It's not just a crisis because Kirsten Nielsen says so. It's not just a crisis uh, even because Mick Mulvaney says so. But how about former DHS Secretary Jay Johnson affirming over the weekend? He said when he was in that seat at the at DHS, he would look each day and see how many apprehensions they had every day. And he said if we were under a thousand, it was a decent day. If it was over a thousand, he was in a terrible mood all day. Mood all day because he knew that was horrible he said we're over four thousand last tuesday that's incomprehensible yeah. he said it is yeah. indeed a crisis uh what more do we need to tell the democrats we have to act yeah no no kidding but but how can that be because it just was a few weeks back a few months back when the democrats say oh no crisis no there's not i mean how many caravans are we on now we know what we have on the border as today uh we know the drug situation we know the gang violence we know the human trafficking issue and yet, uh, you know, this is what happens when, when you fail to address a problem. It typically doesn't get better. It gets worse. But unfortunately, I don't think the Democrats are ever going to ever going to see the see the facts here and see the truth other than the one you just pointed out, which was the former Homeland Security uh, Secretary Jay Johnson. Yeah, and uh, and this is what uh, Mick Mulvaney had to say about that uh, yesterday on ABC. Democrats will not give us any additional money to do this. They won't give us any additional people. And importantly, they will not change the law that is acting as this giant magnet for people from South and Central America to come into this country. That's the core issue as far as I'm concerned, Congressman. We absolutely have to change that law. Yeah, the asylum law, that, that is exactly right. We have said all along, and we've said it many times on your, on your show, two things have to happen to address this crisis. One, start building, get built the border security wall. Two, change the asylum law. Those two things have to happen if you're going to address the situation that is now an emergency and a crisis on our border and, frankly, has been now for several months. Well, the, the latter is far more important than the former, strangely enough. I mean, I as, as, as have been screaming for a wall as loudly as anybody. But, but you know, as we've, as we've learned in recent weeks, Congressman, that expanse of land, that gap, that, 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 that portion of land between the river, uh, for example, and a border wall is American territory. And so because of the asylum laws, they can stand on the other side of that wall, and they're going to be brought in as long as they're shouting, I want asylum. Uh, and so yeah, as as, you know, with a wall, I mean, a wall will do us no good whatsoever unless we actually change the law that you're talking about a law and, and, and as long as they can say the magic words right. claim asylum come to you know just come on american soil and claim asylum and and frankly we, we've now know that there are, there are like 80 percent of the people who claim asylum aren't legitimate asylum seekers so the other thing that re- is required if you're going to do this is change the magic language change the law and have more judges on the border so you can adjudicate this in a much faster way than what is currently going on all those things have to happen, but it's all related to, as you point out, the asylum law and the fact that we don't have a border security wall. Those are the two most important things. Those are the two things the Democrats don't want to do. And again, the left has just taken such just extremely radical positions, uh, no common sense whatsoever. Remember, it was Stacey Abrams who said just a few weeks back, a few months back now, that she was okay with non-citizens voting. This is, this is where the Democrat Party wants to go, and it's, it's 
it's sad, it's scary, and, it, and when, when you have those kind of positions, you get the kind of situation we now see unfolding on our border. So those are the two things, Congressman Jim Jordan, that have to happen. We need the wall, we need the law change. Probably not in that order. I think the law first. So since mm-hmm. we're not getting either one of those from the Democrats, here are the two things the president is going to do. He's going to uh, cut off uh, all foreign aid to the Central American nations of Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras to encourage those governments to stop exporting their poverty to us because we cannot handle it. And secondly, he's going to close the southern border, and that means all immigrants coming in, asylum seekers or not, even the legal ports of entry will be closed. Do you support those two decisions? This is this is exactly where this is what happens when the Democrats won't help us address the problem. I have a, I have a colleague, too, who talks about, uh, um, you know, foreign aid in a general sense. And, and he, he said to uh, he's talking more about certain countries in the, in the Mideast and other areas around the world. He says we don't have to pay people to hate us. They'll probably do it for free. So we probably don't have to pay people to send us that. They'll probably do it anyway. So maybe this is one way we can send a message to countries who aren't helping us in this situation but are actually exacerbating the problem. Maybe this is a way we can send a message, and I think that's why the president has said we're not going to send aid to these three Central American nations if they continue to send people um, to our southern border and create this emergency situation that we now see. So um, is this the right decision, do you think? And do you think it needs to be followed up with some sort of um, uh, financial sanction or aid sanction on Mexico? Because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, people can want to leave their Central American nations and form these uh, these caravans all they want, uh, but they're pointless unless they're given access to Mexico by the Mexican government. We, we need them to step up and, and secure and fortify their own border, their own southern border, uh, in order right. to stop, uh, you know, stop uh, allowing these caravans to simply use Mexico as a conduit to the United States. No, Bob, you're exactly right, and the president's talked about that. Uh, the, the southern border that's also critically important is the one you just pointed out, the southern border of Mexico. And let's say, hey, what are you doing, Mexico? We, we want to be a trading partner. We got this. We got the new NAFTA, the, the United States-Mexico-Canada trade agreement coming up. We want to be we, – we, we understand the importance of trade, but for goodness sake, help us out. It's, just, it's important to Mexico, the, the, this trade issue as well. Help our country out with the southern border in your nation. Deal with that situation. So, yeah, I think the president is exactly right to be talking about these things and saying, look, you're going to have to help us here as we move to these important uh, negotiations and deal with this, this, this crisis that we've talked about. Congressman, uh, pivoting, if I can, for a moment to uh, the uh, release of the Mueller report, which is going to be happening in a couple of weeks. I think uh, Attorney General Barr said uh, mid-April he'll be able to send this thing out. Not soon enough for some Democrats. Adam Schiff continues to embarrass himself and proclaim that he knows more than what Bob Mueller was able with 19 attorneys to assemble in uh, in the span of two-plus yeah. years with 35, <laughs> 25 to $35 million of resources and hundreds of, of uh, witnesses. And uh, he knows more. He says, I have firm evidence of collusion. It's right there in plain sight. And I know that your your party in uh, in the House uh, demanded his resignation last week. He's not going anywhere. What can you do? Well, I mean, it's, it's, this is this is the, what's interesting to me is the, the attorney general speaking on the principal conclusions of the of the special counsel said no new indictments, no sealed indictments, no collusion, no obstruction. Plain and simple. I mean, definitive. One, two, three, four. And the day later, Adam Schiff says, "Oh, there's uh, the undoubtedly still uh, the, the, undoubtedly there's collusion." I'm like, "What? Did you not read the same three and a half page letter that the rest of us read?" So this is this is uh, again Democrats being Democrats. Uh, they they they're always more focused on stopping the president and getting the president than they are on helping the country. And it's unfortunate because I I thought uh, the special counsel what he said 
via the letter from the Attorney General, was so well stated and so well, uh, that letter was well put together. I mean, remember this on the collusion issue? Bill Barr says in that letter, he says, there was no collusion with Russia, no collusion with Russian government, even though there were multiple opportunities for people associated with the Trump campaign to collude. So they dangled the forbidden fruit in front of them multiple times, and they didn't bite, and yet still the day after, Adam Schiff says, oh, there was collusion. Like, are you kidding me? It, it couldn't have been the stronger language in that letter. So this is the way the Democrats are. They're going to continue to go after the president. It's unfortunate um, uh, where we could be doing things for the country. Here's the bottom line, too. In spite of relentless efforts from the Democrats to stop this president, we've had an amazing, amazing two and a half years under his leadership, which I think is a testimony to the, to the intensity and, and the leadership skills of the president of the United States. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I am not one, however, to stand and applaud Bob Mueller for his report, which was summarized by the Attorney General, because you're right, it was unequivocal as far as the uh, collusion aspect of it, but he left that door open. He left a little bit of a gap for Democrats to squeeze through and say, aha, when he would not clear him fully of obstruction of justice, saying that I don't have any evidence in two and a half years or two years plus that he did obstruct justice, but I don't have enough evidence to say he didn't obstruct justice. I don't even know what that means, but it's enough for them to say, aha, uh, he's not exonerated well but, but the, it's a good point and that was said and the attorney general was clear about that but if there was enough evidence to bring an indictment and to prosecute prosecutors would do that so by him not doing that the president there was an obstruction and you can't forget some, some of the key points and, and bill Barr spells this out in his letter the elements of of obstruction typically require a nexus to an, some underlying crime. If there was no underlying crime of collusion, how can the president be guilty of, of, of obstruct, uh, obstruction? And where was the corrupt intent? So the, the elements for that crime weren't there either, and Bill Barr points that out. And yet the Democrats say, oh, we got him on obstruction. No, you don't. There, it's, it's, again, just read the plain language of the Attorney General of the United States letter. I feel like this is, and I agree uh, wholeheartedly. But they're they're of course going to say, well, who cares? Bill Barr uh, is is uh, is, a, is a Trump appointee. He he was put into that position by Trump to provide him with cover, uh, because the last AG probably wouldn't have done that and couldn't have spoken to this anyway, as we all know, because of the recusal. So they're just saying Barr's summary doesn't mean much. We got to get to the meat of what Mueller wrote, and I'm really troubled, quite frankly, by that part of what Mueller wrote. I feel like this was his his gift to the Democrats because he knew he failed to to give them what they really wanted which was collusion he spent he hired all of those democrat attorneys on his on his team to investigate and find collusion couldn't find it so he had to give them something for their money and that was well i'm not exonerating him on the obstruction issue yeah i mean like you said 19 lawyers 40 fbi agents 500 search warrants 2800 subpoenas and they find no collusion but the day after adam schiff says undoubtedly there was i mean (laughs) this is this is the democrats i think american people can see through it i think they see through the obstruction i think americans understand if he didn't commit a crime how can he obstruct in the investigation of the crime was there any corrupt intent uh the attorney general says no bill barr uh the 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 special counsel found no corrupt intent and to, to bill barr I think Bill Barr has handled himself in such a professional manner. Remember, he was attorney general before. He was confirmed by the United States Senate. He's the attorney general of the United States. And he said in his letter he worked with other key people at the Justice Department, including the deputy attorney general, when he made his decision on the obstruction that there was not that, not, that there was no intent there, there was no nexus to an underlying crime, and therefore no obstruction. And emphasizes the point that Bob Mueller didn't indict either. He could have indicted. So this is as strong a letter as you could get from the special counsel. And look, we're going to see the special counsel's report. It's coming out. Jerry Dandler said he's going to subpoena it. 
do a subpoena on this Wednesday. So it's coming, and we'll get, all get a chance to read it. All I know is I thought that letter that he put together and the things that he said were well done. So much information, Congressman Jordan's able to pack into a nine-minute interview. I can't wait to hear what you can put into a full keynote address coming up this Friday, right? You're going to be back in the district at the Lincoln Day Dinner for back Lorraine, in Lorraine County, County Republicans. Looking, looking forward to it, uh, back in the district and hanging out with some good folks there in Lorraine County in Northeast Ohio, part of the 4th District. I hope to see you uh, Friday night at that address, uh, Congressman. And, uh, we'll look forward to it, Bob. Thank you so much, Congressman. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks. Congressman Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. Yeah, as I noted, he will be the keynote speaker at the Lorain County Republicans Lincoln Day Dinner, which is coming up this Friday at Tom's Country Place. Thanks to my friend David Arredondo, the vice chair of the uh, Republican Party in Lorain County, for that note. Congressman Jordan on Friday in town. All right, uh, it's 10.02. We're late for news. Let's catch up now. AM 1420, The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.